Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Marketing Insights Podcast. I'm Shane Hunt, Dean of the College of Business and Michael C. Rutgers Professor of Marketing at Idaho State University. And I am thrilled today to be joined by one of the best marketers that I know, Melissa Lowry. Melissa, welcome to the show. That is an incredible introduction, but thank you so much for having me. Well, and Melissa is one of the executive perspectives profiled in our new fourth edition Principles of Marketing textbook and somebody that I really wanted students across the country to be able to listen to. And and Melissa, just to start, tell us a little bit about your career in marketing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I always like to say I didn't have maybe a traditional path in marketing, but the more I talk to folks about that, I don't think most people do have a traditional path in marketing. It's not like you just have a marketing major and you go to a marketing manager role than senior. I mean, there's so many different ways to get there. And so I guess for for my unique journey, I was actually a finance major at Idaho State, got an incredible finance uh, education, which I think maybe not so surprisingly has actually served me really, really well as a marketer. Um, It helped me get really deep in the weeds of understanding finance, Um, starting to think more about what do uh, how to manage the budget, how to dig into the numbers, what would a, a finance leader, a CFO care about? And that relationship between CFO and CMO is really, really Critical. important. So, yeah. So I think it actually starting off on the finance side was a really uh, good foundation for ultimately moving into marketing. Um, so I left Idaho State, went to Lehman Brothers, an investment bank that is no longer in existence, but when I was an investment banker for a few years uh, before I then moved to, got my MBA, uh, then moved into a strategy role, product roles, and eventually found myself having a, a marketing opportunity. And again, I think the fact that I'd been in all those different functional roles actually made me an even better marketer because I knew how to get deep into the numbers from my finance experience. I felt very comfortable with that and with data and analyzing that um, by being on the strategy side, I'd learned a lot about how to think about the broader market and our competitors and where there was white space opportunity. Uh, and then being on the product side, really getting into the weeds of product and thinking about features and releases and roadmap. And what inter- underpins all of that is the customer, always thinking about the customer. So bring all of that into them. And I ultimately became a, a VP of marketing uh, for what is now Zell, yes. uh, I was able to leverage all of that to help inform what I did in that role. So it was actually a really great journey and and on-the-job uh, education that I think served me really well. And I love it, Melissa. And one of the reasons why, uh, for those of you students that are listening that have used our textbook, all of the executive perspectives are people who majored in something besides marketing. Because, you know, principles of marketing is something every business major in America has to take if they're accounting, if they're finance, if they're economics, if they're management. And what I love about your story, and I think the students that read the book love, is just your journey from finance. And so even for finance majors who are listening to this, you don't know when one day you're going to wake up and be a VP of marketing or chief marketing officer. You mentioned Zell, Melissa, and some of the brands that you've worked for. Can you talk a little bit about how marketing and branding has been so critical to the growth of those organizations? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually currently work for a company called Early Warning, uh, which is the operator behind Zelle. So you probably have heard about Zelle, but you probably have not heard about Early Warning. And really, that was intentional. So with Early Warning, it was a B2B brand that's really about leveraging data from all these different financial institutions to help make risk decisions, 
we really didn't want that to be a consumer facing brand or really it could make us a target for, for bad things to happen because of the data that we had. So we were intentionally behind the scenes with, with banks. But then as we were developing Zelle, and that's really when I joined the company on the product side before switching to brand and marketing, we knew we needed to have a consumer facing name and, and brand to really, especially because if you know Zelle, it's offered by thousands of banks. So we don't have control, not direct control of the experience. So having a strong brand that everyone could market against so it felt consistent against every touch point was absolutely critical. We needed to have that consistent brand promise, the value propositions. How did we talk about it? How did it feel whether you heard about it from a, a email from Bank of America or you saw one of our TV commercials? And with so many different partners involved, having that really strong brand, really strong brand guidelines was absolutely key. Um, and then that enabled us to really grow. It's also about, you can't grow with a strong brand and a crappy experience. So we had to do both <laughs> things, having a strong product and a strong brand. But for us, you couldn't just have a strong product experience without a strong brand. We really needed both of those things because it was really built on a two-sided market that, hey, Shane, I want to send you money with Zelle. Yep. Shane has to say, yeah, I use Zelle and I, I want it. So we needed to have that that language that consumers were familiar with around the brand. Melissa, why? And, and you deal with this and, and Melissa's headquartered in California. And, and you see this, I'm sure, with companies. We see this in, in, in Idaho and in different states where I work with businesses. You said those two parts, and what I really see today is a lot of companies who are doing well on the product side, right, have a really great product in whatever industry they're in, but they, for some reason, are struggling to build that brand. Do, do you see that? And, and if so, why, why do you think that there's that disconnect? Because I, I think I see it more today than I did a, de a decade ago. Yeah, I, no, I, I definitely do see that, and I think... I think part of the struggle, especially maybe in the last few years, was just some of the economic uncertainty, is that it's really easy to forego that long-term brand building. Yeah. Those, those are dollars that are hard to show the ROI on, even though they're absolutely critical. And so it's it feels e easier from that ROI finance perspective to just focus on short-term performance, where you can be like, yep, I spent this dollar and I generated this revenue. Um, but you have to have that longer term piece. So I, I think as we, it's interesting, it's almost this paradox of as we get more yeah. and more data that people want to see that really clear connection between the dollar spent and what you got for it. And that's still really difficult to show for that longer term brand building that what is, what is driving awareness get me. Um, but there's that, I think, heightened expectation of we've got all this data, you get all this real time performance data. If you can't show me what increased awareness gets me, I don't I don't want to invest in it. So that's my hypothesis. Yeah. And so just a real it and it's and so it's something we've actually continued to try to focus on is how can we show um a better, a stronger, long-term impact around having that strong brand. No, I think and I think that's a great challenge for marketers, for CMOs, uh, anywhere in the world. And 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 I always like to finish with this, Melissa. We thank you so much for joining us. The the there are students who are listening to this podcast right now who would tell you that one day they want to be a VP or chief marketing officer at a great company as you are. And so what advice would you have for them? I think it's such a great question. Uh, so one 
I wouldn't try to plan the whole thing out because you don't know what doors are going to open. I, I never would have thought as I left ISU to go pursue a role in investment banking that I would that would lead me to being a CMO. But each of those roles were stepping stones. So I'd say as you think about the next job you want to do, I do think you need to ask yourself a few questions of, is this going to still, am I going to continue to learn in this role? Am I going to learn new things? And are they, um, and am I going to be challenged? And am I going to like my manager and the place, the company that I'm at? Is it something, I don't think you have to necessarily be like, oh, I'm absolutely passionate about this company, but is it something that you can get excited about? And you might get excited about it because you're learning something new. So if you're not learning something new and you don't like the people you're going to be working with, then that's not a good opportunity. But I would just say, don't try to overly plan. Make sure each role feels like a stepping stone in the right direction. I'm learning something new, a new function, a new product, a new industry, um, and be open to those new opportunities because they can come in unexpected places. They can come in unexpected places. And, and I tell college students today, like you pick the best time to be a college student in the history of the world. Like there is so much opportunity. You said one last thing I want to ask about. You made such a great point. I hope students rewind and listen to that. But you mentioned something about always be learning something new. Can you just talk briefly about that? Because I think that is such great advice. I think a lot of times, and I probably thought this as a first-generation college student when I came out, like, okay, I, I got my degree. Like, my that learning part is over when the truth is it's just beginning. Yeah. I still, as a CMO, and I've been in my CMO role for over a year and a half, and it's been for a product that I helped develop I still feel like I'm learning every day, yeah. which I love. I love that. And it's not always big things. It could be part of just interpersonal dynamics with, oh, that's okay. How do we help work through this and this challenge? Um, it could be, gosh, in the last year, I've learned a lot about crisis comms. We had yeah. a lot of crises going around <laughs> with, with Zell and managing through that. So I'd say in any situation there, it's reframing, I think, sometimes the mindset that something could feel like a challenge or no, no, I don't know where to begin, but just thinking, oh, this is an opportunity to learn. Yeah. And whether you figure it out on your own or you find someone to like ask questions about to help to help you through that, there's there's always an opportunity to learn, I think, um, which, like I said, excites me. If I no longer feel like I'm learning in my role, then I'm not opening my eyes enough or it's time to move on. Yeah. No, that's such great advice. Melissa, thank you for sharing. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing Insights Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you all for joining us today. Hope everybody has a great season. And for all of our folks graduating uh, this semester, congratulations to all of our graduates. And we look forward to visiting again soon on the Marketing Insights Podcast. <music>